What am I trying to read? What am I trying to read right now? Oh, the scorpion. Okay. Oh, that okay. one's awesome. Go for it. Yeah. So since the theme is myths, and I didn't, I was pretty busy all week, and I didn't really have any other ideas. I am gonna reread this thing that I wrote in July of 2020. It's called The Scorpion. It's based off of. I think I've read it to you both already, but it's based mm-hmm. off of the fable of the scorpion, which asks a frog for a ri- ride across a river. And the idea behind it is that halfway across the river, the uh, scorpion stings the frog, and it's like, whoa, you can't deny your nature. You're spoiling but, your own story, man. Dude, I'm not. Everybody knows that fable except for you. I, I didn't know about it, it until, until he read it to me, then I found the original. Anyways, go on. Okay. So, the scorpion. The scorpion asks a frog for a ride across the river. You have to promise not to sting me, the frog says. Of course, says the scorpion. He hops on the frog's back, and halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog. Why, asks the frog. I took out a life insurance policy on you three weeks ago, says the scorpion. The frog dies. Fortunately, scorpions can hold their breath for six days, so he arrives at the other side of the river exhilarated. He and his girlfriend escape to the Caribbean, but their newfound wealth runs out within two years and she leaves him for a lobster. The scorpion misses the frog, but hates himself for constantly thinking about what he said was the worst day of his life. It was the last time he felt he could feel perfect trust. He returns to the river and decides to repeat the process to more and more frogs, always stinging them before they can betray him. One day, he gets cocky and tries to do it to a brightly colored frog. In his last moments, the frog reveals to the scorpion that he's a cop, and all of this was a ploy to catch him, which the police force called the sting operation. Isn't that funny? The frog asks. Isn't it? Isn't it funny? It is pretty clever, the scorpion agrees. His ex-girlfriend collects the life insurance money three days later. I love this story. I really fucking it's like fucking it. Great. it. It's, I don't know, it's, it's just so, I love your humor. It's very funny. Thank you. It's very quirky. It has that, like, realistic take, that kind of, like, dry delivery. Like, this is... It's basically, like, this is real life, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is my shot at an R-rated Pixar movie, so make sure you say only good things about it so that they can pick it up. I was, I, I was, I was thinking of a way to make that joke without, without like you delivering it like shit. It wasn't. Really <laughs> Wait, I've, I've always had a question about this because you sent it to me in the form of a video, and I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and I just kind of mm-hmm. read it a few times. So th- that line about the the scorpion's like worst day of his life, the last time he could ever feel trust. Can you talk about that a bit? I don't I don't really understand like what what that means. Yeah, let me read that. I think that's really my favorite part of this as well. Hmm. The scorpion misses the frog but hates himself for constantly thinking about what he said was the worst day of his life. It was the last time he could feel perfect trust. The intent with the line is that this is just a moment where he permanently changed and he feels like he can't trust anybody anymore because of his own actions. I and so he kind of misses that moment and attaches that to missing the frog and that's what motivates him later to try to recapture that but also be so afraid that he'll be betrayed in turn that he's really fighting his own nature that makes a lot of sense like i I feel like another layer of that that's in the story is like you know about how he's the scorpion himself is betrayed by his girlfriend you know who takes the money and leaves it for a lobster Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, like, you know, he himself was also betrayed in some capacity. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's just kind of like I guess like the nature of give and take is that somebody will somebody will exploit you at some point if you are trying to exploit other people. I don't know. <laughs> with uh, with with that kind of idea, kind of turns the whole at least at least the original nursery rhyme on its head because it's kind of like going with your nature and you know you can't change your nature. It is what it is. But you know he's kind of second guessing himself. He doesn't trust his nature anymore. Mm -hmm. Um. I really like that. I, I always like those kinds of twists and stuff like that. And you're always pretty good at just kind of dishing that kind of stuff out. Thank but. you. I I really rely on leading my life based on finding surface level irony. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I um I like that like little bit of like kind of cheesy humor with the whole sting operation and i think you use some like some like a repetition in there a bit with like the frog or like you think that's funny you think that's funny <laughs> I, yeah. I i i think it's kind of funny um the the, the frog just insisting on, on the cleverness of the name is really funny yeah <laughs> i just feel like that's the worst possible moment that you could have before dying somebody yeah. really trying to show off how clever they are to you yeah. Is is there any significance to the cop frog being like poisonous and brightly colored? Well, that's part of the trick. What do you mean? That's how they get him. He poisons him. Oh, okay. Mm. I think we should move on. I don't really have much to yeah, say okay. about it. Um, this one. was one that I wrote relatively, or quite recently. I wrote it like earlier this week because I didn't have anything that fit that fits the the theme of myth. And it, it kind of just, it just, I felt really inspired watching this two hour long video about the dropping of the atomic bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I don't know, it just, it was, it was kind of a rebuttal to the widely held American idea that dropping the atomic bomb was a necessary evil to end the war. And it completely deconstructs that argument and turns it into dust. And I just remember, like, it reminded me of a moment when I was in high school studying U.S. history. And this is something that I've experienced with other things, too. Um, I don't know. Our, our teacher would tell us things, and then I'd grow up and realize that they're completely not true at all, you know? So it was just another of those moments. And it just it just can't... <laughs> and this, this is where it gets cheesy, because this poem is about the myth of America. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, man. Dude, you <laughs> shot down my, my pitch for an episode about America. <laughs> I didn't do that. You shot it down yourself. You said that's no, too cheesy. No, you did. You did. That was on you. Read this me. shit. I am gaslighting you a little bit. <laughs> okay, this is called Extremely Cheesily The Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Tanners and Vanessa jerking off to wet dreams of yore. A starving person spray-painted gold in the 50s. Past generations reverberated echoes casting the shadows upon today. Today casting the shadows to tomorrow. Can you see the light beyond it all? What does it look like? Does it ever diffuse? Is it circular? Is it religious? Is it white? Is it screeching? Is it LED? It illuminates the hero. An extrajudicial baton beneath a halo of clouded beams. A severed spinal cord, six bullets to the chest. The victim hidden above those very clouds, housing discrimination, sleeping skittles, a slap on the wrist, 
a rolling head. Organized gangs terrorizing the people, Daniels and Stacy's critically tweeting, misplaced priorities in terms of guilt, muckraking in the information age, black Google outlined in red, as was the golden age, spray paint and nothing more, quickly forgotten soon thereafter. After all, the dream is just that. Holy shit. Whoa. <laughs> Fucking awesome. That was great. <laughs> that was really good. I first want to point out, I really like these kind of like three, these three like nodes of the, of the, of the poem. Of uh, use kind of like, use a lot of um, kind of like modern internet terms and slang, which I really like. It kind of brings that modern twist to it, brings that relatability up. And then you kind of have this very, um, I guess, mystic, almost um, otherworldly take with it. Like all you talk about all the lights and like the possibilities of these lights um, mm. and what it is you talked about. I think it was like LED. Um, yeah. Yeah. They used a few yeah. different examples. I, I really like that, like talking of like what is this light and kind of how I interpret it is like the end of the world necessary. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I really liked that too. I took that yeah. as um, the different shapes of the light as the different versions of the American dream yeah. or American idealism that different people hold. Interesting. And whether that's found in like a halo in religion or in an LED or transhumanism or whatever (laughs) we were we were talking about this pretty recently weren't we about About, what about uh 9-11 and just a lot of the bullshit in america (laughs) a lot of i think so um i do remember like you called me earlier this week and we talked about like 9-11 and everything surrounding it how it's like some people you know it's always the edgy teens that are like you know i sympathize with them because i i do love me a good 9-11 joke but it's also like you know the people that are like oh 9-11 wasn't a tragedy at all but then also like most of america blowing it out of proportion and being like oh it's the worst thing to ever happen when the u.s Mm -hmm. has done way worse things to other countries for basically every month in the past 20 years it's such a for americans Yeah. yeah It's something that we all hold with such reverence. It's like a Christmas to us. It's the anti-Christmas where we get to celebrate all the things that make us so delightfully American in the darkest way possible. Um, In, I think it was 1978, um, on September 11th, uh, this is the original day in infamy. um, And I I can't really recall all the, the details, but... Um, America bombed a government building in Latin America because they elected um, fairly democratically a um, a leader with socialist tendencies, which is um, kind of like in according to America and you know a bunch of fucking idiot socialism is like a you know it's like a it's a a certain breed of communism and it has to be destroyed and so they they bombed the shit out of this government building and raised a fascist dictator into power in this country and i think it's really ridiculous that the day of infamy 
is is 2001 9-11 yeah i thought i thought i'd bring it up i've just been really into like mm. latin american history lately i've been taking classes yeah i know like, like i really thought about writing something about america's fucked up foreign policy but this was more focused on like happenings within america so like yeah. i guess the main idea i was going for is that the american dream isn't real and you know it's 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 yeah. just reserved for certain people at a certain time like the only time the american dream was ever a real thing was like in the 50s with a huge asterisk on it that says so long as you're not a woman gay black or any other kind of minority in that way you know yeah the american like, dream was plausible when we were all on like fairly equal socioeconomic footing and that's never been plausible. That's never really happened, <laughs> but it was close for like white Americans in the fifties. And so we've we've just reappropriated that to fit for not to fit, but to justify everything that happens now. Now we have like vast income inequality, but because of the spirit of anybody can be anyone from an era long past where we were relatively debt-free. It's just horribly malformed. It's not a good fit anymore, but we've attached it to the American identity, to the American dream, which you were kind of talking about. The American scream. Yeah. All of which are the American dream. Dude, that's such a good <laughs> fucking outro to the song. It is. <laughs> the only, I love that. That's my favorite Rage song, Freedom. It's so good. Um, it's a great song. Yeah, like th- there's this whole like you guys were talking about the light, and I was, I was kind of like using that as a way to sort of like segue between like, you know, before that I was there was these couple lines, um, past generations reverberated echoes, casting the shadows upon today, today casting the shadows to tomorrow, and then from there I talked to the light. So I guess it's like the light is sort of the source of these shadows being cast. You know, you can't have you can't have shadows without a light source. Oh, I and, love that. Yeah, so it's like, you know, th- there's a lot of different ways to read it. And I guess I don't really go specifically into, like, what it is, but I do mention, like, religion. Like, I, I use, I use like, you know, the image of a halo later. And I also, like, specifically ask, is the light religious? And I ask, mm-hmm. is it circular? And, you know, circular goes in, it's kind of like, I guess that's sort of an allusion to, like, the cycle of violence because it's a circle. And then later I talk about, like, you know, I make I make pretty heavy-handed allusions to police violence, like near the end of the poem. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, okay. You don't have to obscure it. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. Yeah, I yeah. didn't really want to either. Like, good. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, information this, this is like, like a lot less cryptic, I guess, than most of the shit I write. And that was that was a concerted effort, I guess, because I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, think, I don't feel like that's appropriate for the subject matter. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that you did talk about really should just kind of be told outright you know at least that's kind of yeah. how i see it like yeah. there's 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 these two lines um a severed spinal cord six bullets to the chest the victim hidden above those very clouds housing discrimination sleeping skittles so like the thing the thing with like the severed i guess there's like the first line that's listing the severed spinal cord the six bullets and the chest and then the second line talking about housing discrimination sleep and skittles and that's like specifically referring to like um i forget his name and that that's shit because i really trayvon should know martin. his name yeah no trayvon martin 
is like one of the people, but it's it's like an allusions to like three specific victims of police violence. Um, yeah. One guy had like he had brain damage from like living in a shitty home that was painted with lead paint, which is like a really big problem in Baltimore. Yeah. And he died because like he he was presumably beaten to death. There's no camera footage of it, but his spinal cord was severed, which put him into a coma, and then he died soon afterwards. Um, you know, six bullets. Uh, fuck, what's her name? Brianna Taylor. You know, she yeah. she was shot with six bullets while sleeping, and you know Trayvon Martin was shot in the chest. You know, when George Zimmerman thought he was pulling a gun, but it was really just Skittles. He didn't think yeah. he was pulling yeah. a gun. He did not yeah. think he was pulling. Yeah, he did not bullshit. think he was pulling a gun. I was, I was There's photos of that man signing Skittles. God. I was gonna ask about uh, the the Skittles part of it. Yeah, that, that's that's what that's referring to, is the Trayvon yeah. Martin thing. That's great. I really like yeah, that. It's, one. it's very dense. There's there's it a lot. I, I kind of do want to go into it line by line, but you know, fuck mm. it, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Maybe we should start putting like all of the written works onto a website or something. Where we should we, we should absolutely do that. Throckmorton's yeah. delusion.com. Throckmorton's delusion. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. Adult com slash Throckmorton's delusion. It's gotta be the it's gotta be the URL Throckmorton's delusion.on. <laughs> Let me inside. It's all in your head. <laughs> Alright. Let's move on. Yeah, okay, Matt. Oh sorry, George, it's your turn. Shit. Okay. So shit, alright. My my myth <laughs> very a lot um a lot more like fantastical but pretty dark. I I've been writing a a series of short stories and in between I I finished one of them earlier this week and in between starting the next short story, I really stopped and took some time to think about, I guess, the conception of the universe that my, my short story takes place in, because it's really about um, this, this kind of peculiar world. And um, there's a lot of things that I kind of like alluded to in my stories that I thought would make for like an interesting creation story. So I created this poem called The Book of Feasts, how the first scholars breastfed an infant god. And it's a little bit grim, but I still think it's kind of interesting. So, before Pragmathul, there are thrashers, aimless and without essentia, unblinking, unseen, they were useless, useless until a disturbance. One pale thrasher held its head in something unlike ever experienced, pain, suffering. After aeons, its hand was attached to its head, much like its neck. The mind, the creator, the scaffold. The circle that became the universe. The circle that birthed Pragmathul, the first idol. The thrasher pleaded to the god in screams and wails. It wished not to suffer, but the infant fumbled onto its knees and crawled away seeking nourishment. And the idol wept, for it had none. The first pleads, the first tears. The desires of man and god culminated into an abyssal node, reaching out into something more Stygian than the beginning of all. And from the abyssal node 
came the first scholars in their book of feasts, while Pragmathul sucked from the teat of all. The thrasher still held its head, attempting to weep like its god. That's fucking intense. It's it's a bit it's a bit macabre. I I've been trying not to write really like dark macabre things for this, but they just come out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking it through. I love the <laughs> emphasis on world building. I feel yeah. like a lot of the writing you do before character, before really anything, it's about fleshing out these dense worlds that the ideas flow through. I feel like it's a very complex but understandable delivery of message Thank by you. just I, having the world itself be the intent. Yeah. That's with these short stories it's really to kind of showcase this idea of a world and so I thought this poem would kind of fit into that theme and as well as myth because it is a creation story mm -hmm. of the world. It's cool. It, it really explains, I think what I really, really like about a lot of old myths and creation stories is how they're very clear, like understandable concepts that we have a, a fairly full understanding of today, or at least plausible explanations. And watching old societies and civilizations try to create that meaning with limited tools is fascinating. And it's just a great testament to human ingenuity and the fact that you're able to replicate that seemingly like really faithfully is always really interesting to me and it's, i guess um, i see this as like the the inception of pain from some ancient civilizations mind yeah. of it it's to them the first the first ever feelings were um pain pleading begging and ignorance i suppose Mm -hmm. I do really like um, like you 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 have other pieces of writing that you've showed me that mention thrashers, and I guess like you know I I've always kind of wondered what they were. So this kind of like gives like a, like a like a nugget I guess of like lore behind them where it's like they're like these sort of these primordial or I guess the implication that that I'm picking up on is that they're, they're these kind of like primordial creatures that predate feeling or emotion itself you know like yeah like that line at the end about the thrasher like trying to emulate pain and failing to do so is something yeah. that's really harrowing to me yeah no i um i i write about i write about thrashers a lot i i don't know what it is about them but i really like these these hopeless husks that are almost completely useless but have been around before time itself with no seeming no 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 meaning almost and i guess i guess one kind of was given a meaning but instantly brushed aside once it conceived a god it kind of reminds me of like like the lore in like the first dark souls game about how yeah, like i was going to say <laughs> yeah like like before the first age of fire before before man before pygmies there there were just these stone dragons that just shitted around doing nothing and then yeah. Suddenly, fire happened, and that changed everything. And I don't know it. It, it's just it's just this like I guess like world changing event. I guess it also is like berserk in that way. So, like, yeah, the, the whole yeah. like world building thing you do like reminds me a lot of berserk. Even though I don't think you've read berserk, have you? 
I've read a bit of it. I am not up to the point like where it's at now. I've seen a lot of the art, which really impresses me, and it's just fucking awesome looking. It's unbelievable. Like the guy that drew Berserk, I forget his name, but the guy that drew and wrote it, like he's been he's been like a published mangaka since the age of fucking ten. It's unbelievable. Oh, Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's his greatest, uh, his greatest addition to mankind. <laughs> is berserk, the ancient transcripts. <laughs> Fucking awesome! I really like that story. I really like it. Just the short berserk? explanation. No, yours. <laughs> <laughs> just the um, human beings starting out as just bodies without souls, and then souls without passion. It feels like some sort of ancient civilization that might have lived on the mountains or in, in fjords where life was just so brutal that they had to explain pain and suffering before anything else. Yeah. it's. Um... I'm really reminded of, um, I think like freshman year, my history class, we examined different societies and their religions that they had formed and compared the Fertile Crescent where... Life was bountiful. Farming was super easy. It was relatively undisturbed. Um, with their like very gracious and polite gods versus some other society where the rivers would flood constantly and destroy homes who had these wrathful and angry gods. Kind of like the Greeks or the Norse, I suppose. Yeah. It's um one of the biggest, um, like the two biggest inspirations for me with mythology Actually, three. I, I've been using a lot of like Greek, Norse, and um, a lot of African mythos and religion to create these stories. And then I've also taken a lot of inspiration. A lot of the worshippers in my stories uh, are like very somewhat pagan, and it's really fun taking from all these cultures. You know, seeing how they all differ. And I found a lot of joy combining it and seeing what just what I can create. So it's all in your head. 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 That's Throckmorton's delusion. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. 